Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Mahomes, turn of time, escapes. Goes to the end zone. It's Williams there, and he makes the grab. Oh, my goodness. Daryl Williams. Patrick, you found a lot of ways to score tonight, and you guys scored more points in this game than the last three games combined. What changed tonight? Yeah, we just stayed with the process. Um, we didn't listen to the outside world. We kept practicing, doing what we do. Uh, we knew we were going to find ourselves, um, but this is just one game. Now it's about how can we stack them on and, and continue to get better. It's a Monday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Mike Golick, Mike Florio, Mike along with Mike, Week 10 style. We have a lot to get to today. First, I'll say good morning, Mike. Great to see you again, as always. From Arizona this time, new location for Mike Golick. Yeah, enjoying uh, life out here in Arizona. Happy to see you. I'm always happy to see because I check every morning when you sit down, do you have any marks on you? Did you do anything dumb, fall down, <laughs> something? So I'm, I'm always happy that, that you are, are healthy every morning, and, uh, and I'm, I'm enjoying it out here in Arizona as well. And, boy, you're right. What a, what a weekend we had. What a Sunday that we had. I mean, it was, we saw some of those anomalies from last week were anomalies because some of those teams came back and showed what they really were. And Others, though, you're still scratching your head about. So uh, we're getting into that time. Coaches always talk about November, November, November. It's like it's like moving day in golf. You know, it's like that's like moving month in the NFL to try and get yourself in that position for the final run. And I will say this just to put your mind at ease. I have done many dumb things since last Monday, none of which resulted in any actual <laughs> injuries to my body. They may have laid the foundation for future injuries to my body, but none of the dumb things I've done in the last seven days have actually injured my body. Okay, uh, and, and let's start at the top. Even though it wasn't a nail-biter down to the wire, it was exciting because 
Yeah, it's kind of like the car that is broken and it's not running right, but but for one night it it does. And you're thinking, well, maybe it just kind of fixed itself. I don't have to take it to the shop after all. The Kansas City Chiefs rolling up 41 points in a win against the Raiders in Las Vegas to take over first place in the AFC West. I said before the game, the Raiders, the Broncos, and the Chargers, let the Chiefs hang around long enough, and now they see their opening. If they can just figure out a few of their problems, off they go. And, hey, it could be temporary. they got the Cowboys this weekend. But still, in a division game on the road against the team that had been in first place, they looked pretty darn good. Yeah, they really did, and not to jump too far ahead, but, man, I am looking forward to that Dallas-Kansas City game. Dallas, again, was the exception last week and more of the rule of what we saw yesterday, which we'll get into. But, it, you know, it's interesting with Kansas City. You heard Pat Mahomes talk there uh, at the end to, to Michelle Tafoya saying, you know, we didn't listen to the outside world. I get it. You know, you, you, that's not how you get better. You don't listen to us and the outside world and fans to get better. But, but it is interesting is, so, and we keep hearing about, you know, teams are playing more cover two because they like to take their shots down the field. He needs to take what's underneath a little more. And I do think they're starting to take what's underneath a little more. That's just, that's just common sense. But you could just see it in that offense in Mahomes, can't you? They just want to throw the ball deep. Because when there was single high, they would take their shots. But even sometimes in cover two, and I think part of it is when you build your lead up and you have that lead, that you start again reverting back and whipping it down the field. And it's worked for them in the past. The difference this year is a lot of those plays have turned into interceptions and turnovers. And we hadn't seen that in the last couple of years. To all of a sudden, this is a team that's way behind the turnover margin and which they hadn't been in the last two seasons. So that's starting to, to go more their way now. We didn't see those turnovers, but still, in a game, they dominated 50 passes and just 25 runs. So, I mean, we had talked about at times going back to the run a little bit, but we know what this team wants to do. We know what this team's personality is, and it's explosive, and they can score points, and we've seen it. We saw it last night. We saw it the last couple of years. But I, I, I'm wondering if they did it. You know, you hear Kelsey talking about, well, I, I have my swagger back. You know, you wonder if this one game, if they're all thinking, okay, it's back. We flipped that switch. We're ready to go. We're going to do this every week now. Let's see. Do they have the, the ability and the talent to do it? Yeah, they do because we've seen it. But we've also seen the other side, kind of the underbelly of it this year where turnovers have really hurt them. It worked last night. Let's see if it goes forward again. But they're a team that just, they want to live by their personality. They, they, I think they made some better decisions last night. But at the end, they want to live by that high wire act personality that they are. And I think one key difference potentially, we'll never know the truth because they're never going to be transparent about this because no team is ever fully transparent about the health of its players. It could just be a matter of Patrick Mahomes' toe has finally crept closer and closer to 100%, and he can move like he used to and preserve that margin he used to have where he can buy just enough time with his feet to make the spectacular thing happen. Now, you saw the throws. There weren't a lot of needles being threaded last night, a lot of high-percentage little dumps, but still, no. the, the one at the very end, when he runs up to the line and throws the ball just before the back of his body goes over it, he shows a burst through there that maybe. Maybe we haven't seen to the same extent. And I don't think it takes much, Mike. I think the margin can be so small between 
avoiding a defensive player who has ill intentions and not holding him off long enough to throw the ball the way you want to. And it could be that it's just that simple. It's Mahomes getting back that little edge that made the difference 2018, 2019, and 2020 and hadn't made the difference so far this year. Uh, listen, it's a good point because it is a game of inches. You know, a defender can get more of an arm or a hand around him to take him down. But if a few inches and in, they can't because he's feeling a little better, you can't do it because that is obviously a strength of this offense is his ability to make the circus play. And to do that, he's got to be able to move and he's got to be able to be comfortable moving. So, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, when you look at something like this, Mike, it's not like, like most things. It's not one thing. It's a combination of things. Because you mentioned it, and you're right. There weren't a lot of those high-percentage passes. He throws it up there, and he trusts his guys are going to come down with the ball. And through a lot of the season, the other team came down with the ball. He's thrown, you know, more. He's got four more interceptions already than he had all of last year. So more turnovers. They fumble the ball more. They'll catch it, and they'll fumble it. So there's just been more of those turnovers that need to be cleaned up. And some you can clean up by route and by where you throw the ball, and some give the defense credit, you know, for, for what they're doing or it's just a bad stroke of luck. But yeah, there, there's more than a few things that have to come together. But mentally for this team, it's going to be really weird if they're, you know, go into meetings today and say, okay, all right, we figured it out. We figured it out. Well, yeah, it's not hard to figure it out. Don't turn the ball over. We have the talent that can score a lot of points. But I still think I, I, one thing that, that hasn't changed, other teams are catching them. Other things, teams are scoring more points. Other teams are defensing them better. I don't know if I'm seeing, you know, a 40-plus point put out, you know, for the rest of the games of the year for Kansas City that all of a sudden they have that consistency back where they're going to do it every week. Let's see. Again, they have the talent to, but there's been more inconsistency this year than in the past. You made me think of something that, that I want to mention in a minute. For now, though, let's hear a little bit more from Patrick Mahomes on how the Chiefs have adjusted their mindset during this season of adversity and challenge. Another Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, we, we know that it's what it takes because we've been in the Super Bowl games and stuff like that. Um, I think we kind of went back these last few weeks and kind of went back to the, let's just take it day by day. Let's not worry about the Super Bowl right now. Let's figure out how we can make ourselves better as a team each and every day. And I think that's what you've seen these last three weeks of, of finding ways to get wins. And you know what? That's the challenge when you have established a standard that is intoxicating, addictive, and presumptuous is what it can become. You want to fast forward through the regular season and get back to those high-intensity, memorable moments where you're chasing that championship. And this is a team that's frustrated about what happened last year, so they want to get back there and do it again. That's one of the hardest parts, I think, Mike, after a Super Bowl run, win or lose, especially if you lose and you think you could have or should have won. You want to get back there. You want to undo that that thing. You want to finish the unfinished business, but <laughs> you got all these other teams trying to drag you down while you're trying to even get back to the postseason. So maybe they finally accepted that that big picture can no longer be the focus. They have to look at the little picture one week at a time if they ever want to have a shot to rectify how things went wrong for them against the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl last year. And you know what, Mike? All teams do it. It's only at different levels. We only look at the top teams, right? Because we're concerned about 
who are going to be the two best teams, the one in the NFC and one in the AFC facing off in the Super Bowl. Every team does this. It depends on where you are. You know, for, for Detroit going into the year, their thought process is, are we going to be better this year? Are we going to win a few games? You know, there's teams that are thinking, can we win a few? Can we win five games? There are teams that go in that say, can we get to 500 this year? There are teams that go in and say, can we be a little over 500? And up the ladder, hey, can we get into the playoffs this year? Hey, can we take the next step in the playoffs all the way up to, we were in the Super Bowl last year and lost, we're going to get back there because we want to change that. So what you do is a team like that, and you just, you just mentioned it, and this is just the truth. It's like you're expected to be in the playoffs, so you do, you kind of just say, we're going to get there. We know we're going to, oh, okay, that was a bad game. Ah, we'll be over it. Oh, okay, that was another bad game. We'll, we'll, we'll get over that. And then it starts happening a little more, and you start turning the ball over, and that's when you kind of got to pull the reins, pump the brakes a little bit, and say just what Patrick Mahomes said. Okay, you know what? We believe we're going to get there, and I think they're going to get, in obviously, into the playoffs and see where they can go. But they realize it's not a big-picture thing now. It's a, okay, you know what? We've stubbed our toe a few times. There are other teams out there that are getting better. We can't just take a walk in the park and get back to the playoffs and peak at that time. We have to do a little more work to get there, and they're finding that out. And you find that out at different points of the season of where you are. But what they're thinking is no different than what every other team thinks going into a season. Some, it's just a couple of wins as opposed to getting back to the Super Bowl. And it was a perfect weekend for the Chiefs in the AFC West because they won and the other three teams all lost. And when they were bunched together like that, that's a huge swing for the Chiefs. And of course, the Raiders, who had been 5-2, and two, have now lost two in a row. They had the ugly loss on the road to the Giants and now they lose at home to the Chiefs. You mentioned that teams need to outscore the Chiefs, and that was a formula that the Raiders had begun to perfect last year. Remember, they went into Kansas City and won, I think, 40-32 to 32 was the final score. The Chiefs are going to score their points. We just have to score more and then maybe break serve once late in the game and keep them from doing something magical. It's exactly what the Raiders did. But here's the problem, Mike. They're now more than a month removed from the departure of John Gruden. And at some point, not having Gruden's brain in the building is going to have an impact at some point. And all due respect to Rich Basaccia, who has had a great career as a special teams coordinator, has never been a serious candidate anywhere to be a head coach. When I'm trying to pick this game, and it's like, hey, you know, the Raiders are pretty good this year, but the Chiefs are still the Chiefs, and I know the Chiefs are struggling. And for me... It boiled down to Andy Reid versus Rich Bisaccia. I mean, if we would analyze that matchup in any other setting, at any other time, in any other format, we'd say, are you kidding me? Andy Reid versus Rich Bisaccia? What? And that was it for me. And all due respect, again, to Rich Bisaccia, but this isn't the guy that Mark Davis would have had coached the team if this had all come to a head back in June and he had to hire a new coach then. This is the guy who just happened to get the tap on the shoulder when Gruden got run out the door. And a month into it, I think we're seeing what happens when you take a pretty good team, you force the coach out in the middle of the season, and you force ownership to find somebody else to take over. At some point, Andy Reid and coaches of that ilk are going to run circles around that team. Yeah, it's a, it's a team who all of a sudden started to get cracks in it. 
with the situations that they had going around them. When you do that, you start to take on a little bit of water. And then a lot of it is, okay, how do you react when you take on a little bit of water? Because you, we looked at that team early in the season and they were a pass-happy team because Josh Jacobs had been hurt and their defense had been playing really well. But that's what a long season does. A long season kind of levels you out to where you are. And then you add what you just said, where you have you know a coach going through that situation. You have one of your star players, again, going through what he's going through. And again, thoughts more to the to the family of the young lady that was was killed in that accident. Again, it still seems awful to talk about football in this case, but it's part of that situation now at the Raiders where it, from a football aspect, where it adds up on you and also to the point of you leveling out where you are as a team and maybe that the hot start was more than you thought, but John Gruden is a, is a heck of a football brain from that aspect of it. You know, when we just look down that, that uh, microscope, and they don't have that anymore. So there's no doubt there has to be something like that to it as well of when that could take effect. But like I said, it's never just one thing. Let's also give the Kansas City Chief defense, who we've been scratching our heads about, not playing well, they're, they have started to play a little bit better. Much like we'll talk about later, the Washington football team defense had been awful. Well, they pulled one out of the hat yesterday and looked like something that we thought they were going to look like a little bit. So I, I also, while I agree with your point as one of the factors, also I'll give credit to the Kansas City Chief defense, who we I think we all know, and I'm sure they did, are better than they've been showing, and they were able to show that some last night. And you know, the reality is the game was still up for grabs, arguably, 24 to 14. Not, not, not over, not, right. not done. And the moment that was bizarre, frankly, Deshaun Jackson's first game for the Las Vegas Raiders, gets behind the defense as he always seems to do, even at the age of 35, makes the catch gets the Raiders in a position where they're closing in on the end zone. And I don't know what happened there. They said on the broadcast, it looked like he got disoriented. I don't know if he shifted into punt return mode. I, I, he was running kind of like the wrong way. Here it is for anyone who missed it or anyone who saw it and still wonders what the hell they were seeing. He's got it. He's gone. What is this? What is that? What was he? What did he? I, I don't get it. He stopped and turned when he just should have motored toward the end zone. And the ball gets popped out in real time. I almost thought he tried to lateral it to somebody and there was nobody there. But clearly the ball got punched out and Tyron Matthew makes the recovery. But he's we know he's fast. He's starting toward the end zone. Yeah. And he was trying to elude Fenton. And I I and and if they if they just don't turn it over there, if he just gets tackled. And they get a field goal out of the drive. It's 24-17. Game still, you know, potentially in the balance. But I, I feel like that moment just sucked all the life out of the Raiders. And it was all Chiefs after that. And the next thing you know, 24-14 becomes 41-14. You know, and I get what you're saying, but when you get, when you get to that level, now everybody's a professional football player in that league, but there are some that are known for big plays. And certainly, Sean Jackson is known for getting behind a defense, which you said it before, and I think we should say it again. At 35, it's still really incredible what he's able to do to take the top off the defense. 
the end of the day, Mike, he's a guy who has made plays, and he's a guy who will try to always make a play. And in all honesty, you want that. I want to be able to tell a player, hey, pull back instead of, hey, give me more. And, I, I, and what you're saying, I'm telling you, is 100% right. Just make that play right there, and you're in field goal range. But that's not the way players, especially big players, players that make big plays think. It's like, I'm making a big play. I can make it a bigger play. Now, and even if a coach, you know, what coach is going to say, hey, if you catch a deep ball, we're in field goal range, just make sure you, you get down. They know they're not supposed to fumble the ball. Deshaun Jackson is the guy that's always going to try and make a play. And in all honesty, I always want him to try and make a big play. Because he'll try that another time, and he'll elude the defender and score. It looked wacky. I guarantee, I, I'm with you. Great job by Fenton punching the ball out. Wonderful job. But that's just a player who has made big plays in the past trying to make a big play. So I get it. I don't remember a time in his career, though, where he did kind of a do do move after he'd gotten behind the defense <laughs> to try to loop back around. Again, I'd love to know how that was all going to work out when you spin back around and let the guy get in front of you and, uh, you know, but for the ball being punched out, maybe we would have seen something that we've never seen before. I don't know. But it did feel like that was the moment that, that the Raiders had the gut punch that they couldn't recover from, and the Chiefs took that, and they used that as the momentum that allowed them to put the game away. So they are very much alive now at the top of the AFC West, and those other three teams had their chance. They're all falling off. The Broncos, Chargers, and Raiders, again, all lose on Sunday, and the Chiefs stand alone at the top for now. Still plenty of football to be played. Flip it over to the defending Super Bowl champions, the ones who beat the Kansas City Chiefs, who harassed relentlessly Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Hey, everything was looking great a few weeks back, Mike. 6-1, and one, heading into New Orleans for a Halloween game against a team that doesn't have Drew Brees, and they lose Jameis Winston in the first half. Going to be easy. Going to finally beat the Saints in the regular season. Going to get to 7-1 going into our bye week, and we know how good we are coming out of the bye week because last year we ran the table coming out of the bye week. Well, they lose to the Saints, and they still get their bye week. Hey, hey, we lost going into the bye week last year. Right. No worries. We still ran the table on the other side. They ran into a buzzsaw yesterday in Washington. I still don't know what happened to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not sure they know what happened either, Mike. But now 6-1 and one has become 6-3. and three, And, oh boy, there's a different vibe coming from the defending champs. Uh, listen, there is. And, and we saw this a couple times last week, right, that we talked about, uh, where, where you just expected a team to be able to walk in and get the win. And it wouldn't be a what-if game at the end of the season. Well, I, I get this is, again, why we say this is professional football and you never know. You know, look at Detroit and Pittsburgh, what happened yesterday. So you just don't know. They're all professional football players, and they can step up at times and play a game. And the Washington defense yesterday was able to do that, a defense that, as we've talked about on paper, we thought was going to be one of the better ones coming in to, to, to this season. And so what? In the first two passes, or the first six passes, there's two picks now. And Bruce Arians blames them both on Brady, but I mean, one, you know, was was in the receiver's hands, and it got knocked out, and ended up being a turnover. So I, I'm not putting that one on Brady at all. I disagree with Bruce on that. 
the, the other one was certainly on, on Tom Brady. So, you know, give again, give Washington credit, but you still scratch your head and you say, okay, you expect a couple of a, a bomb here or there, you know, by one of the better teams, but we've seen two in a row with a bye week in between by Tampa Bay. So you wonder, you know, will we see that again? Is there a vulnerability? You know, and I know we'll talk about Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay in this, but I got to say this, Mike. In, so everybody knows the two-minute drill when you're behind your two minutes, you're trying to, trying to go ahead. Well, there's this thing called the four-minute drill. The four-minute drill is for a team that's winning, and can you control the ball and run it out and never let the offense get it again, especially a guy like Tom Brady. And the four-minute drill can be anywhere from four to six, seven minutes and say, can you really put a drive together you know, and close this game out? Washington put a drive together of 19 plays, 80 yards. They took 10 minutes and 26 seconds off the clock. There was 29 seconds left on the clock, or just a little more than that, when it was fourth and one. And Riverboat Ron went for it on fourth and one, and they scored a touchdown to make it that 19 play, 80 yard, 10 minute and 26 second drive. They went up two scores instead of kicking the field goal where it still would have been a one score game. And with Tom Brady with the ball with any time on the clock is dangerous. So that to me was one of the most impressive things I saw yesterday. Again, 19 plays, 80 yards, took almost 10 and a half minutes off the ball. It ended with a touchdown and a two-score lead and iced the game for the Washington football team. So that was against a really good defense. And unfortunately, at the end there, Vita Vea, they lost him. He got carted off the field for Tampa Bay. That did not look good. But that was one, and I know this is more about Tampa. I, I get it. But you got to give love where, where love is deserved. And that was one of the most impressive drives I have seen from a team that knew they needed to do that against a team that knew they needed to stop that team from doing that. That was really, really impressive. You mentioned Vita Vea, knee injury. He's going to have an MRI today, and that is something that could be a major negative impact for the Buccaneers' defense. How good they got last year when he came back from an injury during the postseason, a time when nobody really expected him back. That hurts that run defense. The other thing, though, that really amazed me, I'm not a big fan. I don't know about you. I'm not a big fan of the short yardage shotgun formation running play. You get down to the goal line like that, that fourth and one play, and Ron Rivera told me after the game, Scott Turner, offense coordinator, called that play. I like to have the quarterback have options. I like to keep that, especially if I have a quarterback who's got some mobility. I want him to have the ball in his hands because somebody gets open. Maybe this guy, maybe this guy, maybe this guy. Just three reads, fine. This guy's not open, this guy's not open, this guy's not open, I'll run. You've got more chances. You put all the eggs in one basket with the handoff out of shotgun formation. The running back starts flat-footed, but he squirted right through. This is the vaunted Tampa Bay run defense. He just squirted right through. That was the ultimate icing on the cake of what was, Mike, the longest drive of the year by any team, and it came at a perfect time. So, yeah, the four-minute drill became the 10-minute drill, and, and it just sucked the life out of the Buccaneers. It really did. I mean, that was one of the most impressive things I saw. And I get what you're saying, you know, have options at the goal line. I get it. But, you know, there, there, there's some time where you just want to line up, you know, and, and say – Okay, we're going to get there. We're going to not. Now, again, remember, if they didn't get there, they still had the lead. And Tom Brady would have had to drive his team 99 yards in a very short time, something that 
still is a threat that he can do. So it wasn't like this was for the lead. So I understand it a little more, but but I understand what you're saying about wanting options on a play there as well. So, you know, for Tampa Bay, so this is now them trying to, you know, gather themselves together, you know, kind of like Kansas City had to do, you know, a few weeks ago as well, kind of say, okay, What's our issue right now? I know Bruce Arians was obviously not happy after the game about the dumb mistakes, as, he's, as he has said. But so that will be interesting because there's a lot of veterans on this Tampa Bay team about the self-scouting and the reflectiveness that goes on. It won't be so much about who they're playing. That's not what it's going to be a lot about for Tampa Bay. It's going to be a lot about what are we doing wrong? What are our issues right now? You know, I know you'll get players back like a Gronkowski back at some point, but you shouldn't need him right now. You want him healthy for when you need him in the playoffs. But this is this is that self-scout look in the mirror, look at your own film time for Tampa Bay to try and figure out what's happening. And Mike, I think what makes it so jarring for the Buccaneers and for everyone else, this is a team that was new last year with Tom Brady there and the new pieces it took time to come together and it finally came together and they won the Super Bowl and they kept everyone in place so this is just part two this is just pick up where you left off right and it it started off that way it was working through seven games and now all of a sudden they've been slapped in the face twice and they're they're left to search for answers and you mentioned Bruce Arians let's hear a little bit from him after the game as he tries to get his team refocused on winning ways. That's very disappointing. I mean, it's very alarming to, to watch the energy that we practice with and show up with the lack of execution and energy that it takes to win in this league on Sunday. Um, we got a lot of soul searching to do. Oh, that has nothing to do with ability. It's, it's all about execution and, and, uh, and, and being a smart football team. We're a very dumb football team. And that's a, that's a reflection of the coaches. A second straight week that Brady's had multiple interceptions. Can you just speak to what was going on maybe with the receivers? And no, I had nothing to do with receivers. It was him. <laughs> now, look, look, I, I, I got a ton of respect for Bruce Arians, but the first interception was caught. <laughs> I don't know what Tom Brady could have done other than not throw the ball to that guy. He threw the ball to him. Yeah. He had the ball in his hands, and, and it arguably was a fumble, not an interception, because he caught it and he turned, and then he got hit. And so right. I, I don't get that. My, my, my only explanation for it, how, does it on, how is that on Brady? I think this is a retreat to last year when we would hear Arians from time to time call out Brady because if you're calling out Brady, you got license to call out everybody. And this is just Arian's way of trying to pull the ripcord on the lawnmower. And he's just going to start calling out Brady because that's his way of, of just getting things back under control. That's my only explanation for it. Yeah, listen, I, I wouldn't doubt that. And it's not the first time a coach would have done that and say, go, go to the best, you know rip the best player or say it's the best player's fault to know that you, like you say, can say it to everybody else. I mean, if you want to go on the field, the only thing I can think of is Arians was thinking he should have thrown it to a different person. But still, it was second and 10. You throw it to that receiver, it's going to be third and five. It's a manageable, you know, down and distance for an offense. And the ball got punched out. So, yeah, that one was a little bit odd. But you sit there now, look at what we were going to say. They were going to walk away from that division. Now, New Orleans, you know, loses uh, yesterday. Uh, but Carolina wins. All of a sudden, are we saying, because 
because Christian McCaffrey is back. You know, let's see what goes on with the quarterback position. You know, it was Walker who played, obviously, most of the snaps, snaps, but there's Cam Newton with a couple of touchdowns and screaming on back, you know. And But are they? And it would be more about Christian McCaffrey being back, really, than anybody else and, and the hope that whoever is going to quarterback that team doesn't throw interceptions like Darnold had been doing. So all of a sudden, that division gets a little closer than we thought it was going to be. Yeah, and you know... I'd, I'd been thinking of the Saints as the primary team that could catch the Buccaneers. I hadn't really thought of the Panthers. I'm still digesting what, what we saw yesterday, but they've got the Washington football team this weekend. They've got the Dolphins. They've got the Falcons. They play at the Bills, not the easiest thing in the world. But you know what? They still haven't played right. the Buccaneers this year. They play them twice in the final three weeks. And my favorite Cam Newton stat, Mike, all time in his career, he's 2-0 against Tom Brady. So uh, the, the, the one team that I did not expect was going to rise up and make this thing interesting could be the Panthers. We're going to talk more about them coming up. Before we do that, though, let's hear from Brady yesterday, who was not happy about the outcome in Washington, and it came through in his relatively short press conference. Let's start. Make it quick. Um, there didn't seem to be um, any shots down the field today. I know there were a couple of interception balls going off guys' hands and stuff. But what were they doing to keep you from having splash plays like in the past? Uh, you know, we just never really played on our terms. So we played from behind the whole game. And you know, they played a good game. Uh, they, they had a good plan. Tom, last year you guys came out of the bye and kind of set things in the right motion for the end of the season. How, how hard is it to do the opposite in the first game back? I mean, we have obviously, you know, you know, it's just a, not a not a great day of football for us. So it uh, doesn't matter who you play if we, you know, have a bunch of self-inflicted errors too. I mean, we gotta we gotta eliminate those and see, you know, see if we can go out and execute the plays that are there. What did you see in the two interceptions? Uh, we started with the ball; they came away with it. So, thank you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Wow. Now, he did answer. He did answer three more questions after that. Mike, and, and I both love and hate what we just saw. And I'm trying to reconcile both feelings. I love it because anytime that I see a flash of humanity within the cyborg that has become Tom Brady, I, I feel like, wow, it really is a real boy. It hasn't morphed into the Terminator. So I kind of like to see that because I wonder at times whether or not it's still Tom Brady. I don't know what that 44-year-old creature is that's out there destroying opponents and, and seeming flatline when it comes to emotion, especially when things don't go well. But the thing I don't love about it is, come on, man. I mean, he's embracing the media. He's got the documentary coming up, The Man in the Arena. He does his podcast every week with Jim Gray. When you blow into the press room and you say, make it quick, make it quick. Come on, Tom. You got to stand there and you got to take the questions on the good days and the bad days, too. Make it quick. Rub me the wrong way. Yeah, listen, if you want to see his personality, watch all his commercials because he's got enough of them out there showing his personality for sure. <laughs> uh, I, I get what you're saying. Um, he, he certainly has opened up way more since he's left New England. So once he did that and we all got a taste of that, we all think we're going to get it more and, and we want it more. But my thought on this, while I understand what you're saying, and certainly for those people in the room asking the questions, 
they would have liked him to stay around a little more, not here, let's make it quick. But I, I do think you got a more human Tom Brady in that one. It wasn't, this to me was different than answering the questions in New England in the New England way. This was a guy who was unbelievably ticked off and frustrated. And, and, and I think what he said there, again, it wasn't much about Washington. It was a lot about self-inflicted wounds. If we just execute in every game, Mike, each side of the ball tries to dictate to the others. And his first answer basically said, Washington dictated to us. We were behind, basically, behind the chains, behind in the score. We weren't able to dictate to them and do what we normally do. We were too, had to be too busy reacting to what they were doing to us or had done on the other side of the ball. So while I get what you're saying and I get the, the quickness of that, but I think that was a more human Tom Brady who was unbelievably frustrated with what has gone on in the field, not just in this one, but again, this is two losses in a row with a buy in between in just how he feels about this team and where they are right now. Oh, and by the way, the Buccaneers next play Monday night, seven days from now against the Giants, coached by Joe Judge, who knows Tom Brady, a Giants team that has often been an irritant to Tom Brady and the Giants have 15 days total to get ready for this game and the Bucs are coming off of the loss because the Giants didn't play this week so next Monday night's game got a lot more interesting after the way the Buccaneers played on Sunday against Washington but again kudos to Washington and hey look at the standings Mike I'm not saying they're going to make it to the seventh seed but you know what that seventh seed is wide open I mean, the sixth seed's wide open now that the Saints have lost two in a row. The final two spots in the NFC playoff field are wide open, and three and six keeps Washington alive, especially if they can keep playing like they did. Last week, we saw a couple of teams rise up and get some wins that made us think, hmm, hmm, maybe they're turning the corner. They weren't. Maybe Washington is. Yeah, listen, I mean, right now there's three teams tied with five losses, you know, when you start looking at that that last playoff spot, and then Washington has six along with a few other teams. So, yeah, I mean, with an extra playoff spot, you can get a 500 team, maybe a team one game below 500. Who knows? Who knows how the season's going to go? Now, we'll have to wait and see. They, I don't, it doesn't seem like we're expecting good news with Chase Young their defensive end uh, who left this game. And we already talked about Vita Vea. They have to go on the rest of the year in Tampa Bay with without that 350-pound run stopper, it'll look like as well. So those injuries start to add up. It's just one of those things that you talk about, you're bummed about, but you got to play the next week, so you just keep going on. But just to stop for a second and say, each of these teams lost a, a big player on their defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and you know... Uh... These things happen every week, and uh, it's it's a shame when it happens to the individual player, but we'll see how the pl- the teams and the next man up can come in and, and perform because that's what these teams are going to need down the stretch, and we're going to continue to see this. It's a shame each and every week there's going to be that name or two where we say, wow, that really changes a team's fortunes potentially. Let's change our focus when we return. Cam Newton, a week after he had a big old bowl of Captain Crunch, at dinner time on Sunday, he was celebrating a victory back in the league. He is indeed back. Cam Newton and more from the 10th Sunday of the 2021 season when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, 
Within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. Impeccable. Impeccable. Me and my boy Robbie had an unbelievable conversation last night over dinner. And it's great for things to come to fruition. I wouldn't even call it the new me, but I'm big on energy. And that feeling on the sideline collectively as a team, starting with PJ to the offense going out there and, 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 well, really the defense getting the turnover, that's, that's, a combination of a great team win on the road. That was a great team that we played. And, you know, just for it to come full circle, offensively, defensively, special teams, you know, it was great work. Well, I put it like this. This time last week, I was eating a bowl of cereal. <laughs> like, you feel me? I think, like, a thousand percent, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> a thousand percent. Thank you. Keep fighting! All right, that's it, y'all. Oh, hey, the NFL is more fun when Cam Newton is in it. And you know, Mike, of all the things I've seen him wear after a game, and I love his style, I don't think I've ever seen him wear something with the Panthers logo on it in all those years. He's all in. He's back with the Panthers. He is indeed back. He made sure we all knew it. He gladly took the 15-yard penalty to take off his helmet after scoring that touchdown and proclaiming to the world, I'm back. And it makes the Panthers relevant. I, I remember last week, people were like, well why, well, why are they doing this? Well, first of all, P.J. Walker's your alternative. That's why. Sorry, P.J. Walker. But Cam Newton's available. P.J. Walker's your alternative. You're already done with Sam Darnold. Why not do it? I give David Tepper credit for doing something. Because no matter what happens the rest of the way, yesterday was special enough to make us say, thank you, David Tepper, for giving us Cam Newton back, even if it only lasts for that one day. And it's amazing that Cam, in the half a season, can make maybe $10 million. That's pretty nice. And you know why I wear some of the stuff that he wears, some of that flashy stuff? Because he can. Dude is <laughs> just, right. I mean, if he wasn't in football, could be a model. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So that dude can pull off 
anything and eating the cereal if it was Captain Crunch. That's always rough on the roof of my mouth, so I have to be careful with how much Captain Crunch I eat, though I love it. But, you know, for them, they're looking for a quarterback of the future. You know, Cam's obviously in his 30s, so he's not the long-term quarterback for Carolina. P.J. Walker, I'm with you. I like P.J. Walker. Had a hell of a career uh, at Temple. Obviously, you know, played some in the XFL as well. I was looking for a chance. And with his old college coach and Matt Rule, you know, getting that chance. But they, they need a quarterback of the future. And this is a good stopgap. Now, whether it continues to next year, we'll have to wait and see. Because we saw Cam run a couple times, we saw him throw a few times, but we haven't seen Cam take over a game yet. And that could come next week when they play Washington. Good chance. I've heard you and others talk about how he be, could be starting next week. Let's see, because Cam has not been very accurate. Cam has dealt with injuries and he's gonna be a lot more healthy now. He's had some turnovers as well. So let's see what happens. I know he's back and I, that was a great moment. And I'm sure Matt Rule went up to him after and said, I'm happy you're back as well. Please don't take your helmet off after any more touchdowns. You did it the one time, I'll give you that. Now let's let's move on, and I'm sure Cam will. He just wanted to announce his return, which is cool. But now let's see. Because at the end of the day, listen, Mac Jones is a, is a really good quarterback and an excellent rookie quarterback. But let's remember, Mac Jones beat out Cam Newton. Now, was there more going into that with the week he had to miss? Under, with the COVID situation, well, we may never know. We may. Who knows? But he still got beat out by a rookie. So let's see what he does now as a full-time quarterback, if he, in fact, does start and is back in a starting role. I love the guy. He's, a, he's an incredible athlete for his size who took way too much of a beating during his career, especially over the last few years, and wasn't getting any calls for it at all. You know what he wants to do, but his body's been beat up a little more. Can he do it as a full-time quarterback again without getting nicked up again? That's what we need to find out. Bottom line, though, for Carolina, I like the chance they're taking right now. But in the end of the day, they're going to be looking for their future full-time quarterback. I'm going to tell you the story about the first time I ever saw Cam Newton, Mike, because I know I've never told you. I've told it on the show before, but it's been a while. Draft day, 2011, during the lockout, crazy time in the NFL. The draft still held at Radio City Music Hall. I was walking down 6th Avenue to report for duty. Tough duty, you cover the draft. And, you know, it's an exciting night. There's a buzz. <laughs> and they're doing a red carpet. They're doing a red carpet in front of Radio City Music Hall. And I see Cam Newton coming across the, the red carpet. And I said, oh, they're doing it on an elevated platform. And I got closed. It's like, there's no elevated platform. <laughs> He's a giant, <laughs> and, and he is. He is just so yeah. large. I think that's one of the reasons he never got the calls. You just look at him and say, you're fine. <laughs> you know, that guy hit you late. Uh, you didn't feel it. You're fine. And so to have him back, he only was in on nine snaps, 12% of the total offensive performance of the Carolina Panthers. And, and as you mentioned, I'm told there's a good chance he'll be the starter next week when Washington comes to town, when Ron Rivera who coached him for nine years, comes to town. And when I talked to Rivera yesterday about what his team was able to do to the Buccaneers, I had checked the schedule, always check the schedule, see what the next game is, see if there's some angle, see if there's something when I get one of these guys on the phone. And it's just, whoa, whoa, whoa look at this. You know, we, we'd already seen Cam Newton score his touchdown. So I said, hey, Ron, you know, you can coach the guy for nine years. And I was kind of joking when I said it, like, do you carry around a little file of plays that I will use if I ever have to defend <laughs> against Cam Newton? He said, yeah, I do. 
I do. So he's going to be ready. I mean, that, that, that makes a game that, Mike, we otherwise, 24 hours ago, we would have looked at that game and said, huh, who cares? Now we look at it and we say, wow, that is one of the games that stands out on next week's schedule. Listen, it, it does, but I, I, I'll, I'll continue to say, let's wait, because it, it, it's a great story if he can come back and if he can play well, remember, because he's overcoming injuries. But I'll say again, you know, last year he throws 10 interceptions. The year before that, he only played two games in Carolina. He got hurt going through the interview, uh, injuries. Before that, 13 interceptions, 16 interceptions, 14 interceptions. He's always been in the double digit in the team, sometimes the high team. So can he avoid that? That that's good. It it it'll be a great story, Mike. If it's a great story, <laughs> it's not going to be a great story if he is starts getting hit and getting nip, nicked up again, or starts throwing some interceptions again, or being inaccurate with his passes again. It'll be a great story. We everybody we all want to see if Cam can recapture what Cam had, and I do feel the league not calling some of those plays took some of that away from him. It was. It was like Shaq. Shaq would get hit hard unless they were really trying to foul to put him at the free throw line because he struggled there. Shaq wouldn't get calls a lot of times because he was so big, and neither did Cam, and I think that cost him some. But uh, So, again, I think it's a very cool story, but I'll say again, only if it's a cool story. And let's just remember the reality. Cam got beat out by a rookie quarterback. So where is he as a full-time quarterback? You make a great point about the interceptions. I'm looking at his full career stats. He's had double-digit interceptions every year of his career, except 2019 when only played in two games, and including 2015, the year that he was the NFL's most valuable player. He still had 10 interceptions then. And you mentioned what the Panthers are doing. David Tepper is obsessed with finding a franchise quarterback, and he tried Teddy Bridgewater. Didn't work. Teddy Bridgewater's still good enough, not a franchise guy. Move on to the next one. Sam Darnold, obvious through half of the season. He's not a franchise guy. Could he be good enough to play? Maybe, but not a franchise guy. On to the next one. And the next one's coming after the season. The next one is Deshaun Watson, possibly, if they can convince him to waive his no-trade clause and go to Carolina instead of somewhere else. Could be, I don't know, whoever else is out there. I don't want to start throwing names around recklessly, but he's going to be looking for a guy. And now you've got Cam Newton that maybe you maybe that's your bird in the hand. Maybe that reduces some of the urgency that we've seen, almost desperation from David Tepper to find his franchise guy. Maybe there's just enough left in the tank with Cam Newton that he can be a little more deliberate instead of this kind of frenetic, got to find somebody, got to find somebody, got to find somebody. Maybe he can take a step back, and maybe that's what he needs to do. Yeah, I, I, I do think, if nothing else, I agree with you that Cam, if he can play well enough, can possibly be that bridge to what they're going to go to next. Because is it going to be free agency? Is it going to be the college route where there is a handful of quarterbacks, but no one really at this point has that buzz and me doing college games this year. I've seen more than a few of them. And there's some really good ones, but none where you go, wow, that's a great, like, you know, uh, uh, Andrew Luck or a great, you know, like uh, a Trevor Lawrence. 
But that'll happen after the season. It's always amazing when the kids are actually done playing football and all they do is wear shorts and a t-shirt. All of a sudden their grades go up because that's how the quarterback gets evaluated sometimes in the NFL. It can be a ridiculous thing. So is it going to come from the college ranks? Will they work out something with Deshaun Watson? But I'll say this. Listen, you need you need a an above average to really, really good quarterback. You'll certainly take a great quarterback, but there's only X amount of those in the league if you want to get somewhere. If you don't, you got to have a really good defense, which they showed promise of. But let's also be honest. You don't have Christian McCaffrey. You're not going anywhere anyway. We normally say that about a quarterback, but if you don't have him, you're not going anywhere. That dude comes back, and I, I did the game when he hurt his, hurt his hammy way back when, and all of a sudden, that offense became unbelievably vanilla. He comes back. He's getting 23, 25 touches, running the ball, catching the ball. He, he opens up that offense for everybody else. He is such a quarterback friend, whether he's the target of a pass or because so much attention is paid to him that other receivers or other routes can be open. So to me, he is the key. You want to find a franchise quarterback. You want to find a quarterback that's going to be one of the best in the league. But find one at least that's really, really good and make sure Christian McCaffrey uh, can stay as healthy as he can. But that's one of the other things. He touches the ball so much, he can be susceptible to injury. But to me, that guy is the key to this team. And, and you mentioned the scouting process of the incoming rookie quarterbacks and, and every year we go through this we don't know who they're going to be it does bubble up after the season I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that coaches get involved in watching film and chiming in after they're done with their work of getting their teams ready week in and week out and they can get up to speed on who's out there but there's always going to be somebody the question is what's that guy going to be and now the Panthers have the ability to be a little bit a little bit more deliberate and it wasn't that long ago where we didn't even know Kyler Murray was going to play football he, he was possibly going to play baseball. He'd been a top 10 pick of the A's. He's been great for the Cardinals. There's a chance he's going to be back next week. The Cardinals are a very different team without him. Yeah, they beat the 49ers, but boy, they looked awful yesterday with Colt McCoy. McCoy also got injured. I'm told Murray making good progress, 18 days now removed from spraining his ankle. If he continues to make progress, he could be back this weekend at Seattle. One of the factors, Mike, they got their bye after that, so it's got to be tempting to say – Let's give him that extra time. But, boy, Seattle, Seattle's going to be desperate because they're 3-6 and six now, and they got goose-egged at Lambeau Field. They haven't won at Lambeau Field since 1999. Yeah. Well, it's hard to break that when you score zero points for the first time in Russell Wilson's tenure as the quarterback of the team. Hey, you know, we're going to talk a lot about Aaron Rodgers, but the Packers' defense quietly becoming one of the best in the league. Yeah, the pack, that's what we saw, I thought, yesterday step up a few. Uh, the Washington defense, the Packers defense, the Kansas City defense, the Dallas defense. You know, I know we'll, we'll get to them. That, that kind of gets lost because, you know, it's an offensive league and we talk about, you know, high-flying offenses at times. But there were defenses that stepped up. And quite honestly, Seattle can be as desperate as they want, but their team isn't very good. You know, you have Russell Wilson back and you have that long ball threat because he is without question the deep, the best deep passer there is in all of football. But around that, they're just not a very good football team. Uh, so uh, I, I think I think that that obviously has to be said. So let's see with Arizona uh, what they're going to do with Kyler Murray. You know, they need to be very smart with him because they're going to be in the playoffs. 
But again, you don't do anything unless he's healthy in the playoffs. So make that smart move. And I'm, I'm sure they obviously know that bye is there after the Seattle game. So do you play him if he is close to 100% or just sit for another year may, or, or another week? Maybe have him as a backup. Because Seattle, I mean, I, I would expect Russell in the offense to be in sync a little more after the games he had missed getting the pin out finally from his finger. But I, I just don't think they're considering that division and who's in it, especially obviously the Rams and the Cardinals. I just don't think they're very good. I don't think San Francisco is either. So uh, I think that even without Kyler Murray, that could be a winnable game for them. So we'll see what decision they make. But you're, you're absolutely right. You know, throwing a goose egg up in the NFL is a difficult thing to do. So kudos to that Green Bay defense for pulling it off. And look, what Russell Wilson did to come back as quickly as he did, and, and there's so much hyperbole about it out there, and I'm not big into the myth-making. Professional athletes heal faster than the rest of us. I mean, what a shock. Their bodies are <laughs> finely tuned and heavily conditioned, and of course, what takes the rest of us 10 weeks is going to take them six or seven. But if you see the images of what that finger looked like with the pin going straight down it to hold it you know, vertical and, and the scars back and forth from the stitches on the surgery that was done and everything he did to come back, it really was a tremendous accomplishment. But I think it makes it even more frustrating when you come back after everything you've done and the commitment you make and the player you know you are and you're currently not surrounded by a team that's capable with your presence of scoring a single point. Hey, Mike, we saw what played out this past off season when he was tormented, that they were 12-4. and four. He was tormented that they were one and done and that he had to sit there and watch Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. He was miserable, and he, he opened up about it. And then his agent comes out and says, well, my client doesn't want to be traded, but if he were to be traded, he would accept a trade to the Saints, Bears, yeah. Raiders, or Cowboys. How, how, how do we not look at this and say it's going to be part two? It's going to be deja vu all over again when the season ends. Russell's going to make his play. And I can't say I blame him at this point. So, Art, so listen, it's a guy who obviously was, was in the Super Bowl. So, you know, he has that, that mentality of, of having been there. I look at him kind of like another guy from the, you know, the Pacific Northwest, and that's Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard wants to win it with wanting to win with the Portland Trailblazers. That's what he wanted to do. He didn't want to go be part of a super team or feel like he had to go somewhere else to win that. And I feel there's part of that with Russell Wilson that says, everybody talks about this team is bad around me. Well, I want to be here when they build it up. I want to be part of this team coming back again and getting to where we were. I don't want to say I bailed on them and have to go somewhere else to do it. But there's a time limit for all of that, right? Everybody is on the clock as far as saying that, saying that, and then when does that bell strike? When does that reality hit where you say, you know what, if I want to do what I want to do, I may have to do it somewhere else. But that's a comparison I kind of make. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to ditch there, just like Damian Lillard talked about. Nope, I'm not, not doing that super team thing. I want to build it here. This is what I want, want to do. Uh, uh, Giannis is doing it in Milwaukee. He stayed there saying, don't want to go somewhere else. Some guys want to do it that way. Other guys want to go somewhere else. And, 
And everybody's decision is their own. I wouldn't criticize anybody's decision. Other people do, that's fine. But I think that's part of the mentality with Russ that says, I wanna do it here. I wanna rebuild it here and be the leader of that. Yeah, I'm not so sure he does though. Like when that when that list comes out last March of the teams to which he'd accept a trade, that wasn't put together accidentally. That was a signal to those teams to make a run at him. And I think he knows it's at the point where if he's concerned about his own legacy and, you know, Sims and I have talked about this many times over the course of the past couple of years, the idea that these quarterbacks are obsessed with their legacy. How do I build my legacy? Well, when you see what Tom Brady did last year, handpicking his next destination, stacked the deck in his favor and won a Super Bowl, other guys are going to be looking to do that. And I think Russell's going to keep looking to do it. And they're, they're going to have to convince him after this season that they have a plan for quickly turning it around because every year is one opportunity lost to add to your legacy. Wilson said earlier this year he wants to be legendary, he wants to be iconic. One Super Bowl win does not get you there, not when Tom Brady has seven and he has his sights on number eight. So I, I think that's it's just something to watch as a 3-6 and six team, a team that's already lost two more games than it lost all of last year, has eight games left. Where will they land? I think that's going to be a big factor. And one of the other guys we're watching as we get into the question of where is he going to be next year, Aaron Rodgers, he's back after his COVID diagnosis, missed his 10 days, got the victory. Let's hear from him uh, after the game, his post-game press conference. First, first time talking to reporters since his positive COVID result. Good to be back with the guys. Good to be back at home. Good to be on the field, really. Uh, most emotions from the whole night was probably walking off the field after the game. Uh, definitely got me a little misty. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't question that. I mean, he went through a lot over the course of the last 11 days. Some of it self-inflicted, a lot of it self-inflicted. But regardless, he's back now. And Mike, the Packers, in great position. January 30 is when they play the NFC Championship game. We saw what it looked like on November 14. If they can seize that one seed, and the Buccaneers are doing them a favor in that regard, and if they can just keep winning, and that game that Rodgers missed ends up not being the thing that keeps them from having the one seed, and they get that one seed, it's going to be tough. going to be tough to go to Green Bay and beat them, with, especially with everything backed up a week as we move to the 18-week regular season. Oh, listen, I completely agree, but obviously we did see that happen last year with Tampa Bay uh, and Green Bay, but that's the thing about it. In Green Bay, you never know what it's going to be there. As you said, we saw snow yesterday, you know, but, but come playoff time, if, if you get to that, the playoffs there all the way to the NFC Championship game, you may get a really nice day. You may get a day all of a sudden that's in the 30s or 40s, or you may have four feet of snow. But that's, that's the beauty of winning home field is, you get to play in that. You get, you get to wait and see what it's going to be and will it hurt, you know, a Tampa Bay team coming up if you're playing in a ton of snow or a Rams team coming from the West Coast or a Cardinal team coming from the West Coast if you're playing in a lot of snow. That's what you're trying to get. That's the advantage. That's the home field advantage that you're trying to get and sometimes can pay off for you. But, you know, it's just good to see Aaron Rodgers, you know, all that he went through and I'm sure it'll still be talked about from a football side of it. You know, we know what he means to this team. Uh, but again, even though they scored 17, and it, it, to me it was the shutout. It was the defensive side of the ball that really stepped up for me. And the fact really emphasized that Russell Wilson isn't working with a whole lot there. And when I talked about time for quarterbacks, 
I, I, I may be with you. That time may be now where that list coming together may turn out to be a realistic thing. And, Mike, you mentioned that defense. Look, they held the Chiefs to 13 last week and gave the Packers a chance with Jordan Love. They had a chance. They only lost by six points. They had a chance to win that game. Zero points this week against the Seattle Seahawks at home. The Packers moving in the right direction. And if they get that one seed, yeah, we know Tom Brady can go up there and win because he played all those years in New England and he's going to have his guys in the right mindset if they have to go back there. But if it's the Rams or the Cardinals having to go to Lambeau Field in January, huge, huge, huge advantage for the Green Bay Packers. Let's take a break. When we return, it's superlatives time for Week 10 of the 2021 season. We'll do that next here on this Monday edition of PFT Live. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? (laughs) Yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.